0: me The Oaks were dusty with many brown terminal twigs killed by borers. The buckeyes were bare, only a few dull red leaves dangled from the poison oak bushes. brittle weeds grew into the edges of the road and as we swung around the buttonhook and onto the hilltop, I saw in the adobe ground cracks wide enough to break an ankle in and there, on the right, as we coasted toward the carport, was the cherry tree its leaves drooping and its foolish, touching, untimely blossoms wilted. Ruth drew an audible breath. Cherry blossoms in October were exactly the sort of thing from which Marion would have derived one of her passionate lessons about life. Ruth got out of the car. I'm going to lie down for a while, shouldn't you? Maybe I'll work around the yard. The white hand was laid like a policeman's on my arm. Cho, she said, don't take it out in high balls now. What do you think I am? I said. But her clairvoyance had put a barrier between me and a place I had half-consciously planned to visit. When I get sad or upset, I can be a pantry drinker. And she knows it. She pecked me with a kiss. Poor lamb. And then as our eyes met, poor Marion. Poor all of us. I followed her inside and changed the dark suit for old garden clothes and poked morosely out into the yard again. I found that I had maligned the day. Until the rain moved in just now, it was one of those Indian summer days, warm and windless, brown-colored, even the air faintly and purely brown like the water of some Vermont streams. It smelled leathery and cured, the oak leaves maybe. On the bank, the pyracantha was ripening heavy clusters, and the toyon along the hill was top-heavy with berries. I stood by the carport looking down across the gone-by vegetable garden and the baby orchard, and of course what stood up in my view as if it were a hundred feet high was that cherry tree. My hands began to shake and my eyes got moist. Outrage! Outrage! To take all that trouble of digging, fertilizing, planting, spraying, pruning, coddling, only to have a blind vermin come burrowing brainlessly underground to destroy everything. My head was full of some poet's bitter question. Was it for this the clay grew tall? I walked down to look. The basin was disturbed by no more humps of loose dirt, but something drastic had happened underground. The leaves that a few days before had been green now drooped like heat-withered cellophane. Along the branches here and there were the browning wisps of blossoms that the tree had frantically put out when the gopher began working on its roots. Before I even saw that it had begun, it was finished. Trying to produce flower and fruit and complete its cycle within a few days and way out of season, the tree was dead without knowing it the sore sense of guilt that I felt told me I should have done something. But what? I took hold of the sapling trunk and wiggled it, and with a slight thread-like tearing the whole tree came up in my hand. Except for the tiny root I had just broken away, there was nothing. The thing was as bare as a fish pole, gnawed off and practically polished about six inches below the surface. Off in the brownish air a great flock of brewers' blackbirds flashed into sudden, dense visibility, roughened the sky a moment the way a school of fish can roughen the sea, and flashed off again, disappearing, as they all sheared edgewise at once. It was like something seen through a polarizer. The big red-tailed hawk that lives in Shield's pasture was perched, I saw high in a eucalyptus. Probably he was watching me, with his X-ray eyes, and wondering what I was doing standing in my October orchard and brandishing the gnawed stub of what was once a promising Lambert cherry tree. It was a fair question, and I could have answered it. I was pondering the vanity of human wishes and the desperation of human hope, the tooth of time, the vulnerability of good and the unseen omnipresence of evil, and the frailty and passion of life. That is all I was pondering and I was overwhelmingly aware as I poked around that it was Marion who had exposed me to feeling as I had hoped not to be exposed again. I almost blamed her. Until she appeared, I had succeeded in being a retired potterer.